let's go ahead and get started. Um, sorry, I was a little bit late. Uh, we do have more of the handouts that will be coming. Um, so, but until then, we'll have to share. Uh, so, I'm I'm excited to talk to you guys about the second half of our parenting seminar. Um, I'll try not to take too much of the time because we have um, some panelists that are going to be sharing their practical wisdom with us. Um, but let me just start with a word of prayer. Dear Lord, uh, we thank you for the children that you've blessed us with, that you've blessed the church with. We thank you that you have trusted us to share in your work um, by leading and teaching them. And we pray that you would uh, help us to uh, learn from your word, to learn from one another uh, in the ways that you have taught us. And we pray that you would bless our children. pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> okay, so um, I have a kind of an outline of some of the topics that I wanted to cover for the next 15, 20 minutes. Uh, and really kind of wanted to uh, build on what Pastor Michael had talked about in the last last week, where he had talked really more about how to instruct in the Word and how to teach your kids um, about who God is and uh, and how to teach from the Word. Uh, I think that <clears throat> one of the first things uh, with parenting is just that it's very time-consuming um, to do it well. So the the first idea that I wanted to um, mention is just that it's worth counting the cost of what it takes and um, really uh, it's because parenting is one of your most important tasks while you have children in your home um, everything else kind of has to play second fiddle uh, and that means that your home will not look as good as it does uh, otherwise your home your career may not advance as fast as it would otherwise. Your hobbies will get left behind. Um, there was a day when I used to surf. I do not do that anymore. <laughs> you have to pick and choose. I have, I still have some hobbies, but not as many as I once had. Um, and, and that's because actually parenting well means um, spending time with your children and being available with them and um, enjoying them and taking advantage of that time. And there's a verse in Psalms 127, verses 3 and 4. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And I think that just speaks to the fact that children are some of the most valuable things in our lives. It's some of the most rewarding opportunities that we get to impact a kid or anybody, really, um, I mean, you think about in your life, your opportunity to to have such a huge impact on the way that somebody um, processes the world and views the world and uh, grows and learns to love and the emotions they feel, um, that is a huge responsibility, but also a huge opportunity and a huge joy as well. So I think um, the thing that I wanted to to initially talk about was just how much your kids absorb what you do and who you are. Uh, and really good parenting is first just demonstrating uh, what God's love is. So I, I picked a passage from 1 Corinthians where Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
because I think that's really kind of at the heart of parenting. Um, kids are really effective at detecting hypocrisy. Um, uh, they, they see you all the time um, in your best moments and your worst moments. And the worst moments are probably your best parenting moments because that's when you teach them how to deal with not having done things well. So uh, like today when I realized 10 minutes before and I realized, and Tracy texted me and said, oh, I just set up the music stand and the recorder. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm giving the parenting seminar right now. <laughs> and I had been preparing for weeks and I realized that I had not printed out the handouts, that we weren't ready to go. And I swear under my breath and I walk around the corner and there's my daughter. And I was like, oh, that wasn't good. <laughs> but on the other hand, um, they can see how you, uh, how you do respond under pressure. They can see when you do turn to prayer. And the more that you uh, seek God, the more they will internalize that and the more that that will become a part of who they are, really. And you think, I, I'm sure that each of us can look back to our own childhood and think about the influences of our own parents. Um, there's the things that you really like about your parents and the things that you try to avoid. Um, so my, my mom is probably the reason that I am a Christian today, or at least a big reason. She was constantly pushing me towards knowing God and when I wasn't a part of the church, she was asking me why. Uh, and that really had a big impact on me. Um, and, and my dad was constantly investing in, in us as kids and really made that a big priority. Um, but there are other things that, that he was also a little emotionally distant. And when I was a kid, my mom made me promise not to treat my wife in a way that was emotionally distant that left a really strong impression on me. And it's something I think about like throughout my marriage. So you, you never really know what your kids are going to remember, what's going to leave a strong impression on you. Um, so the more we can emulate Christ, the more we can imitate Christ, um, the more we will be able to teach our children to do the same. Um, and really just how you love them uh, will teach them how to love others. Uh, and And that's that's really our goal. So um, the other thing is that parenting is really most effective. Thank you. Here's my helper. <laughs> Can you give those to Tracy? Thank you. Good job, Rachel Lee. Um, <clears throat> parenting is best as a team, if you can. I know that there are many circumstances where we don't have a partner or there's uh, maybe not on the same page. But really, if you can parent... Uh, uh, mother and father being on the same page and being able to show um, that they are both for their children um, and that their children can't divide them because their children will figure out which things that you're softer on and which things that your spouse is softer on uh, and they will try to use that to their advantage because that's human nature um, but even when you are divided, and this is one of the most difficult things for many marriages, um, is that we feel very strongly about our children and how we raise them. And that means that when you disagree, it will, there's a lot more writing on it than most things. Um, and so it's, it's very important to try to uh, 
work those things out between within your marriage if you can and to try to come to some sort of agreement or even compromise. Um, I've found that in our marriage, I tend to be a little bit stricter with the younger ones and a little bit more uh, free with the older ones than my wife. And when we had a 17-year-old in our house, <laughs> that really brought that out. My niece was living with us, and we were basically trying to parent a child that we had not had uh, in our home for most of her life. And um, we regularly argued about what, how we should handle this. Um, but one of the things before she left our house uh, that she said is that she felt like we were always united uh, in what we said to her. And that was, to me, like a great victory <laughs> because, um, because it did show that at least when we came to her, if you have inconsistent expectations, if you have to have one set of rules for one parent and one another for another parent, it can drive a kid crazy and really create real inconsistent behavior. Um, and so if you guys can, can, if we can get on the same page, um, then, then that is really helpful. And there are always going to be, uh, for all of us, there will be times when we aren't able to do that. But to the extent that that can be our goal, it will help our children. So the other thing, uh, another verse that I uh, thought was useful here was Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, The purposes of a man's heart are deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. We are all complex. We are all, we have motivations, we have desires, we have dreams. And to the extent that you can draw those out of your children, you will be a better parent. And if you can build that type of communication, if you can figure out what they love, what they enjoy doing, and you can share those things with them, and you can um, build, have fun as a family together, uh, and you can learn how to draw them out, learn what they care about, and ask questions about those things, uh, that will help you, especially because I think I put a little diagram on the right side, so the printing didn't quite work out the way I had expected. Um, there was a little bit of a formatting issue, so we have an extra box at the bottom, and on the back is the end of one thing. But if you look at the little diagram on the right, um, the idea that Ted Tripp mentions in Shepherding a Child's Heart is that as your child ages, you will lose authority over them. You cannot physically make them do something anymore um, the way that you can when they're younger, though that's not usually the best parenting tactic, but uh, it, at least they, it, they're so dependent on you as a child that, they're, that you have great authority over them and great influence in that way. But you can't really reason with them, right? So uh, a beautiful little baby like the one in that corner <laughs> uh, cannot reason with you. You can't explain why you're doing and what you're doing. Um, and um, and there's limitations there. But as they grow older, they can understand, and you can talk it through, and you can explain why you're doing what you're doing. And then, so your influence can grow even as your physical and uh, absolute authority decreases. And then as they become teenagers, and they're really their job is to figure out how to be adults and how to be independent and how to separate from you, to cleave from their parents, 
or to leave their parents and cleave to their, their new spouse or to form their new life, um, they, they will be trying to figure out what they want to do, what they want to believe. And if you still have influence over them because you've built decades of trust with them, that you've shown them, I, when we teach you these things, it's really for your own good and that they can understand that long term, that's a, a beautiful goal. It's hard to achieve, especially when they reach teenage years. I loved what Anna said last week uh, about how she's sometimes has a hard time talking to her boys and getting them to engage. So they take them fishing. <laughs> and she also engages uh, with other parents. We've definitely found that as our kids get to be older, we, we try to to know who they're talking to and be able to share because sometimes they'll open up to one parent about one thing and another parent about another thing and it's nice to know what's going on because it's harder to to understand but but building that record of being consistent steadfast faithful to your children setting consistent boundaries setting consistent um, one of the ideas that we constantly talk about is the more responsibility you have the more independence you get as they see that is real, then that is uh, one of the ideas we want them to be able to take into life with them. Um, so I think as far as discipline goes, you want to discipline in a way that will prepare for that transition. Um, and earlier on, you have a lot more specific um, and really it has to be immediate consequences. Uh, and then as they grow older, the consequences are longer term. Oftentimes, you don't have to discipline right away for them to know it. Um, they they know what's going on, and they can see the the what happens from their actions. So I think one of our key goals is to help them understand themselves, their temptations, their fears, their doubts, and to prepare them to understand their world. Um, that's really one of our goal of as parents and really building that trust uh, and I think that the the best way to do that usually is just to engage and to figure and to understand ways to try to find ways to draw your children out and talk to them and um, and know what they're thinking what they're struggling with one of the the neat ideas that Sarah had is she started a little journal where she would ask them to write something that our that our daughter was uh, thinking about and any questions they wanted for her to answer and then she wrote a reply and wrote some of her thoughts and they've been going back and forth on it uh, and there have been some interesting questions like you know who was your first crush and now they're they're curious about MacGyver. <laughs> but no, it's not an ouch. No, it's I think it's a really it's it's a fun way for them to understand a little bit of like how we dealt with these things as we were kids. Like what were we thinking about and um and then there's some serious things like what happens when my friends are mean to me and they're dealing, and we have kids that are in the sixth grade that apparently have been dating for three years. I mean, like, 
these and I don't really know what that even means. So, <laughs> you know, so that that was a good like starter for a conversation. We were stuck in the back of a car for four hours on the way back from Thanksgiving, and I was like, and I asked my daughter, I said, well, what does it even what does it mean to have a dating relationship? And she said, well, it's like a friendship, but it's deeper. It's like in middle school. <laughs> really? <laughs> and so we talked about what she meant by that. And it, she meant like spending more time with and having regular interactions uh, in, a, in a more intense way than you would with another friend, which is probably true. Um, so, and that was kind of related to the whole uh, same-sex wedding that they had had at their school too. And so we talked about what that might mean and their, why they thought that was a good idea and things like that. But uh, as you, but then the only reason I knew to ask those questions is because Sarah had already been talking to them as she was picking them up in the car, and you know carpooling is a great time to talk to kids, uh, and had told me about it, and then I could kind of probe further later. Uh, other parents had no idea um, that some of these things are happening, uh, so we're we're thankful when they do talk to us, and hope to kind of try to keep building up those bridges but as teenagers get older uh, all they really want to do is sit in their room on their internet device and um, talk to their friends or at least talk to their friends nowadays it looks like being on the on the internet on social media Um, so that that is challenging and that's something we all as parents have to deal with and I think figuring out how to draw them back into the family and learn the value of face-to-face relationships is really important. Um, I know that for the teenager that was living in our house, she always wanted to talk at like 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night, because that's when it's cool to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you have a newborn in your house, and he wakes up at 6, and sometimes in the middle of the night, and you're thinking about going to bed at 10, and your teenager comes and sits on your bed and starts chatting, and you're like, oh my goodness. I'm so tired. <laughs> but that's when she really like started to share what was on her heart. And really, you have to be able to take advantage of the time when they are willing to talk. And sometimes it's really inconvenient. Uh, but it's also invaluable. And, build, and being able to hear what's on their heart. We also really tried to get her to invite her friends over. So we like bought a foosball table. <laughs> we, we would buy them pizza when they came over. Turns out they really like Capri Suns. Who knew? <laughs> they were like juice boxes. And we're like, okay, we can do juice boxes. Um, so, and it helped us get to know the personality of her friends. Some of them were going through some really hard times. Um, separation from parents, like getting kicked out of the house. Um, one was smoking weed with his parents. Like, you know, there's there's lots of stuff going on. And, uh, and, it's nice if you know the kids a little bit better, so it's great if you can interact and draw them in. Um, so, uh, question. Can yeah. I ask you a quick question about yeah. the teenagers hanging out at your house? Yeah. Did you, like, insert yourself <coughs> in their gathering, or were you, like, hanging back, you know, at a distance both. and just, like, kind of... We did both. Okay. Um, I don't know what's the best way, but... There were times we just let them have their space because we wanted them to come back. Um, <laughs> but there were times when, like, one of them needed a ride, one of them was waiting to be picked up. Um, that was a big thing. They were Most of the people she was hanging out with were sophomores, and so they didn't have their license yet. 
And so, and she would drive them around. But then someone who was waiting, like I remember one of the little girls, she was like 15. She ended up helping us decorate our tree. And it was just sweet. And this is the one that ended up getting kicked out of her house. But so you could tell like things were not good at home. But, um, you know, divorced parents, like lots of things going on and and not agreeing with each other and um, dealing with some really difficult behavior. Uh, But there was a really sweet side of her too. And just getting to see that was really like a privilege for us, you know, and to see why our our niece liked hanging out with her, right? Because you, you could look at all those other things that are going on, the real reasons she got kicked out, um, and think she's just a bad, don't hang out with her at all. And then, But then if you see the, the sweeter sides, you can see, you know, every kid has, has, you know, they're complex, right? So the better you can understand that, the better you can parent. So, um, and then, so finally, discipline. Uh, I'll try to, be relatively brief so we can get to the panel. Uh, so Hebrews 12:11. for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So the way I think about discipline is you're trying to make the consequences short-term so that you can get long-term fruit. There are habits that your kids are developing that will destroy them because they are sinful, and they will probably not destroy them for many years. But if we can teach them that in the next five minutes, there's going to be a consequence and you shouldn't do that. And then eventually as they get older, maybe within the next hours, days, weeks. Uh, and then as they get older yet, you can explain to them, actually, your friends are going to enforce those consequences. Because when you treat them that way, they're not going to be around. Right. So uh, that's that's the kind of thing that that we kind of way we think about it. Um, Something that's really important is having clear expectations of appropriate behavior and clear logical consequences. So one of the themes in the Bible is don't exasperate your children. Um, And uh, Colossians 3.21 says something to that effect. And that is really about um, not being unpredictable in some ways. Like you want to have clear, consistent boundaries. As foster parents, we've seen kids that have had... um, or we know kids who have like really crazy consequences, like really like big behavior that goes completely ignored, small behavior that they get totally chewed out for, right? And it uh, obviously that's never our goal, but just to understand how you can set that clear and consistent um, behavior. And sometimes that means, I think for us, the hardest thing has been actually backing it up oftentimes you'll set something and you'll say this is what's going to happen and then it's like i don't really want to deal with that right now (laughs) you know (laughs) so if you're not going to deal with it don't set the consequence uh that's really important like to remember because if you're making empty threats your kids just ignore you um so so the other thing is to try to identify a, a firm positive behavior uh i think like I was coaching a little bit and they really talked about the importance of positive coaching. I think it's true. Um, really, there's there's another uh, rule that somebody has, has generated, which is like five compliments for every negative thing you say, uh, which is really just like a relationship rule. I've heard that more in relates to, to marriage. But I think that that is, you know, your kids remember the negative stuff really easily, usually, um, unless they've tuned you out. Uh, which is a different problem. Um, 
So, but it, but they also really it builds them up when you can say, okay, this is exactly what I was talking about. You did a really good job there, um, and yeah. So, uh, for tantrums, there's a helpful resource that I recently read and that Sarah has read. That's called the Whole, Whole Brain Child, and it talks about how um, once your kids reach a certain point and they're emotionally lost control, you can't reason with them. You just need to help them regain control and get them into a setting where they can actually talk to you again. Um, so if it's a willful tantrum and they're doing it on purpose and they haven't lost control yet, don't negotiate with them. Be firm. Stick to your boundaries. Uh, and and uh, follow through with the clear expectations that you've set. But if they've totally lost control of their body and their emotions, you have to first regain that control and connect with them, calm them down, and then you can talk about what appropriate behavior looks like and what the appropriate consequences should be. And then, then the last point that I wanted to make, uh, or one of the last points is, always check your motivations. Uh, my heart is sinful. The thing that I noticed in our uh, community group when we dealt with, we talked about anger and bitterness, every parent gets angry at their kids. Every parent. Because you care about them the most, and when they frustrate you or upset you, it hurts you more than any anybody else, except maybe your spouse, because that's one of your because those are your deepest relationships. The closest you are to them, the more it hurts when they let you down, right? And then also, kids really know how to get right. You know, they know what upsets you, and they can push your buttons, and because that's kind of the only control they have sometimes, and so they can really get you going. Um, I can attest to my <laughs> personal experience. Uh, it is hard to deal with anger, um, and we have to surrender that to the Lord. Um, and before you discipline, always make sure that that is not motivated by anger. I don't always do that, and that is my biggest failing as a parent, um, but it's always my goal, um, and and that's difficult, but something we need to do. So finally, that's a lot uh, on being a parent. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests, on the second page, be made known to God. And that is something that every parent needs to remember because it is so easy to become stressed out and um, and want to and get overwhelmed by the job of parenting. And we really just have to trust in God uh, that he will be faithful as we seek to be faithful to him and follow his teaching. So I'm going to now invite up the panelists. Maybe you can grab a chair. Oh, that didn't work. Don't do that. Sammy can sit next to me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Random order. All right. So, the first question so I'm going to ask one question and then I'm going to put it out to the audience. So, think about if you guys have questions for us. The first question that I wanted to ask our panelists is how do you connect with your kids? How do you create an environment or how do you? figure out what they love, what do your kids love, what do you do with them that they love, 
just so we can think about what that looks like in different families. Uh, all right, so I have, uh, we have a six and seven year old. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm Sammy, my wife over there, uh, Rachel. Uh, we have a, a daughter and a son, uh, eight, a seven and six year old. And um, I think for us, um, the main thing that we do is, like Jeff mentioned, is, you know, we, raising kids just requires a lot of time. And, um, what we do is just be in their business as much as possible. Um, you know, we are fortunate enough to send them to a private school, a private Christian school. Um, so um, Rachel over there would volunteer quite a bit uh, at the school, and just um, and the school is pretty open about parents hanging around. Uh, so um, you know, she would see who uh, the kids are interacting with, how they behave uh, during class, uh, sometimes during recess time. Um, I don't know, a little bit helicopterish parents, but um, but I think we we get to observe, and then um, you know there are times when we can take things home and 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 kind of have teaching moments with them. Um, and the second thing is uh, for us, um, you know, also as busy parents, um, you know, we not everything is you know um, as ideal as it can be, um, you know, and so our time is very limited. Uh, but we do actively make choices to not get them into too many programs so we do get to spend more time just as a family um so not overload them with stuff um and and so um i think the last thing is you know just in terms of spending time that's probably the most important thing is you know we we complain about our half hour commute to and from school um but you know in the car i think that's where some of the most beautiful and um you know nicest conversations that we have with the kids great teaching moments they're stuck in a car with you uh, <laughs> and audience. yeah uh, and so some of the the best teaching moments are there too so we try to utilize you know whatever other time that we have um you know to to be able to uh just connect with them um and yeah um, my name is Kendra. Joseph is my husband. We have three boys. Um, they are two, four, and six. And I think I just echo the spending time. And I find that, like, when our oldest comes back from school and you ask, you know, how was your day? Who was who did you play with? Those are the worst times to get any connection because, good, I don't know, I don't remember. But it's really um, the little moments where, like, at dinner they want to ask questions of, like, oh, what's your favorite food? And that somehow evolves into friend stories or um, when they're, they want to snuggle with you at night. And, like, that's when the kind of the stories come out so I feel like it's never in, intentional when I'm trying but it's always in the moments when they bring it up that's how we connect and as far as their interests go I feel like right now we follow what kind of the oldest wants to do because the other two we they're so young um, so right now it's very much like we get to pick who they are going to play with the play dates are with my friends and their kids um, and so that's kind of nice but now with the oldest he has different interests so as we go to you know whether it's the play centers or discovery museums or whatever things that he gravitates to we're able to expand on that and then it's interesting to see what the youngers gravitate to on that or don't and that's how we are figuring out their own personalities but I guess time I'm Carly, and my husband is Aaron. He's right here with the black hat on. We have four boys who are 13, 11, 9, and 7. And I think, and it's busy. It's crazy, yes. <laughs> like Everybody's like, whoa. That's really how it is, really. <laughs> it's kind of like raising four German shepherds. That's kind of how it feels. Um, 
I think the best time for connection, individual connection, and I and there's a place for group connection too. And I I don't want to discount that, say it doesn't happen. Probably our best group connections, I think, are at meals, and it's usually not dinner because that's the end of the day and everyone's tired. So often it's lunchtime, kind of the lull in the middle of the day. Sometimes breakfast, and uh, because we homeschool, that can be part of our our family meal schedule. Um, so there's a place for a group connection, and I think that that probably mostly happens in meals where everybody's in, oh, that's not what my friends say. Oh, that's not what I think, you know, and, that, and you get some interplay between people's individual interests and opinions, but the, the best time is in the car. It is. Um, and even little windows of time can be really good, and I, I think I've chewed on that, like, why is the car great? <laughs> like, I think part of it is um, you have this beautiful balance between my parents, I have their attention. Like, they're, I'm not washing dishes. I'm not folding laundry. Grandma's not going to call because I'm in the car. I can't do any of those things. But it's not over-attention either, right? Like, they have a little bit of distance. And, and especially with my oldest, I feel like I'm ju- – I know I'm just – I am just beginning to get a little tiny view into older kids. I'm not there. But – I feel like that's more important to him, especially. And I think it's probably because he's older. He wants a little space to decide what to bring up and maybe not some eye contact. And, you know, so it's a little less uh, pressury, maybe. So, but even little drives, I want to say, like, encouraging, like, even when I'm like, I'm dropping him off at youth group, it's 10 minutes from our door to the church. Like, sometimes something small. And I think sometimes, again, this, the lessened pressure of it's just a little window. Maybe I'll just bring this up for a minute. And she doesn't have time to lecture me, which is true. It's, it's a good thing. Like. I'm Ben. Uh, uh, my wife is May. She's with the kids right now. But uh, I have a son. He's nine and a daughter that's seven. And I, I want to echo a lot of those things. I think uh, I think setting aside time that's not necessarily, like, focused on, like, getting information out of them. And, you know, that – that's not really what you want. And, you know, if you ask, what did you do today? They'll go, I forgot, or uh, same thing I did every day. But uh, just having some of those times. And I think for us, uh, you know, whether it's meals or before bed, I think the car, like when I take my son to get a haircut, he hates getting haircuts. But then every time we're, we're driving there and he's like asking all these these questions just about random things. Um, I think I'm very fortunate. Uh, my wife May, she's a, a teacher, so she gets home a little bit earlier. She gets to spend a little bit of time, and then in the summertime, there's a lot of time to to really sort of bond with the kids there. Um, and so, you know, I, I when I get home, I try to make some uh, time to to make sure that there's time to to talk with them. I'm not really much of a talker uh, as much, but just to be there available f- for the kids and, and not, you know off doing my own things. I, I, I'm very fortunate to not have to do bring my work home. And so I think that's that's a, ver- a big blessing for our family. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes my wife has to bring grading home. And uh, there can be opportunities there where the kids can help, like, tally up uh, grades. Hopefully they tally them all right. Now, now they're older, so those, it's usually right. So, but um, yeah, I think just those little things, and I think also just kind of for for our kids, they're kind of kind of homebodies. Um, so sometimes challenging them to to try new things, getting to know their friends, so that you know if they do say something, we actually understand what it means. If so and so 
is doing this or that, like that we actually understand that. We get to know their friends and their friends' parents and things like that. Thanks. Uh, I'm Christina. I have two boys, nine and almost seven. Uh, I love that there seems to be consensus that meal times and car times are good, but I haven't had a lot of success with either of those two times in terms of quality time bonding with my kids. I feel like meal times are a feeding frenzy. I feel like I'm eating with a pack of wolves, and it's kind of disgusting. Like, I can't even really look at it directly. It makes me upset. Um, car times, I feel like anytime they're together, there is conflict. So... <laughs> It's hard. It's a good opportunity in its own way, but I haven't found it to be particularly like bonding for me and them. So what we do is um, Monday nights we reserve for the family because it's Michael's day off. So we will either spend time as a family together or we will take them on individual uh Dates. I don't want to call them dates because that's gross, but <laughs> but one-on-one time because it's they behave very differently without the other person there. So I feel like um, there's more opportunity to draw out, you know, what's what's really on their hearts when another person's not annoying them or interrupting them or uh, you know needing our attention, right? Um, in terms of trying to find out what they like and what they're all about, I, I feel like uh, the best way for me is, A, what they've all said, is to kind of get to know their environment. So I volunteer at their school. I want to know, like, who their friends are, what kind of activities, schedules go on at school, so that when they talk about it in their very random, incoherent way, I kind of know what they're talking about, right? I kind of know who this this girl is who's bothering them or whatever. Um, so it helps because they're not good at describing their environments. Uh, and uh, free time. Free time is important. I, I, I work so hard to protect their free time because it's really easy to want them to have piano lessons and Chinese lessons and... Um, you know, reading time and, and math time and la, 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 la. You could just pile on lesson upon lesson upon lesson in sports, you know. Uh, but I work so hard for them to have free time because it's in those times that they can freely gravitate towards their own interests. And then as I observe, I realize, oh, you know, you really are into this or you're really into that. And you continue to be into that year after year. And it's cool to watch that unfold. Good question. <laughs> sure. I can skip that. I mean, <laughs> yes, you can. I mean, and this goes anywhere from the like the two-year-old at the you know playing with another two-year-old to the big brother you know hitting the little brother to the yeah. I mean, there's, there's a bunch of a bunch of these scenarios, but it comes up a lot, and it's not easy to deal with. Yeah, boys brawl. They do. Some some boys. So my oldest is very gentle and very um, like like self-controlled. My younger one is a rageaholic. 
super not self-controlled and uh, externalizes everything. So this comes up all the time now, more than ever. Now that he's like six, almost seven, he's he's really like <laughs> the rage is is building. Um, so I don't know what to do. I just wanted to talk to say that I understand, and I'm dealing with this right now. And for Christmas, guess who's getting a punching bag, <laughs> like a legit one that you hang from the ceiling. Because I think maybe, you know, and he, and I talked to him about it. I said, do you think this might help you get out your anger in a good way, you know, and not on your brother? And he's like, yeah, I think that'll help me. <laughs> so like, okay, let's try it. But um, there's all kinds of like, I don't know, I'm just trying to help him to, to express his anger in a non, you know, interpersonal violent way, right? <laughs> so glitter jar, that didn't work. <laughs> The body bag, I don't know. I'll tell you I'll tell you how it goes. That's fine. Uh so I don't have a good way either. Um so that does come up from time to time. I think how about we can broaden it to just like general misbehavior as well. Like what are your most effective consequences, things like that? Yeah, I think for us, um, they we're trying to reinforce to them that any raising of the arm or you know forming the formation is instant. <laughs> That's a very consistent thing. It's an instant um, disciplining action. So we would try the techniques of um, corner, take away um, privileges. Um, but they know. I think what we're trying to do. I don't know if it's good or bad, but the moment you just form that you know, whatever, is like an instant no-no, and I don't know if it's effective, but so far I think it's tapering off a little bit because um, I, I just want them to think so through. Yeah, almost like pre-crime. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if that's effective, but we, we try to reinforce that just an instant no-no because I think that's just a, like pretty severe. I don't know Maybe if that's good or bad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, so I'm, I'm open. I want to hear... What's the most effective method? If you guys have ideas too about what happens when a two-year-old hits their brother versus when a ten-year-old hits their yeah. brother, mm-hmm. those are different things. No. Um, so we have small kids, so um, our our strategy so far has been kind of the same, and it's kind of still worked, which is our downstairs bathroom is our discipline room. Um, and in there, actually, this was kind of non-intentional, but it works out. We have um, drawings that they made of the fruit of the spirit. And so now if they misbehave, it's like, and which fruit were you displaying? Which is none of them. Um, and <clears throat> But they know what they should be doing. Like, it was not love, it was not jo- whatever, all those things. And um, the other thing is, I think spanking is a huge issue. And so for me, my I grew up being spanked badly. So I said I would never, ever spank my kids. But I think at a young age... Um, they kind of need it. So when they were younger, we used to kind of spank them. And Joseph likes to spank them on the bottom of their feet because um, it's better. But I just do kind of these taps on the butt. And really, it's the threat of it that's actually more scary than the pain. And so now my six-year-old, I don't, we haven't spanked him in forever. The four-year-old, the threat of it gets him like riled up. Like he's, he's very remorseful immediately. And the two-year-old is still very willful and will sit in there like, 
not sorry. Um, but but this this is a strategy for everything. If it escalates to you snatched a toy or you hit your brother, like it's just very consistent. We haven't had to deviate because there hasn't been like violence yet, um, like true violence. But um, but so far it it has worked, and I feel like Joseph and I are on the same page. This is what happens, and if they are out of control, like what Jeff was saying before, um, Joseph's really good with just praying with them. Like they're out of control, he just starts praying and praying and praying, and then they actually calm down and then they're in a place where we can listen but this has been the consistent strategy for them so far so I think for for us I think the I don't think acting out the the violence has necessarily been an issue I mean occasionally uh, with our daughter she would hit our son and then we'd have you know say sorry nothing really Mostly it was just like playing, getting out a little out of control. But I think for my son, actually, uh, his anger can be an issue. It, and I think he's just uh, maybe like your son a little bit. He's a little bit more controlled, but he feels that anger. And he gets very angry, and he'll he'll say things under his breath and things like that. And I think for us, it's really sort of teaching him that uh, it's okay to be angry, but it's you have to be able to uh, – not allow that to control you and to allow that to uh, cause you to do something that's going to cause you to sin, right? Uh, And I I think that that's something that uh, there's different strategies. They even learn some of these at school. Like I've seen him like uh, being angry and then he'll be like counting down. Like, and I think they teach that at school that you're counting down. Just you know, don't say something that you're going to regret. Don't do something you're going to regret. So just wait. And I think that learning that sort of um, self-control through, you know, just don't act immediately and let that uh, let that pass. And, and then, you know, if you have to think about, you know, what caused you to to have those feelings, if if the root of that is something that's that's unhealthy, then deal with that a, a little bit later, right? But first of all, don't let that cause ca- that anger cause you to sin. Um, Okay, I think it's very, I think, first of all, I want to just say the whole brain child is great. I think it has a lot of good techniques, not just for the two-year-old who gets whipped up, but also for the older kid. And I I think the root of this in parenting, I'm really, I don't know how to do this yet. I'm still really working on learning, but I think a lot of the root of our kids uh, losing it is is we have to demonstrate to them Mm self-control. And it's really, really hard. And there's lots of places in adult life where we have adult um, acting out temper tantrums, but it's socially acceptable, and I think it's wrong, actually. Mm -hmm. And so we're asking our kids, they have kid expression, right? So a kid punches somebody in the head. We don't do that. We, you know, cut them off in traffic, or we... You know, do something like this, which is, I think it's the same thing. So I think really the root of this is we have to confront this in our own lives. And I, I'm not saying this because I magically have this figured out. I'm saying this because I'm wading through it. And I think sometimes our kids see right through, like, oh, yeah, don't be angry. I Like, I see you. And they know we're full of it. So I think the root of this is to confront it in your own life and then to coach your kids through what you're doing. <laughs> like, I think we have to talk to our kids honestly about this. And Whole Brain Child has a lot of good techniques for how do you build self-control. How do you get through that explosion and get back to my brain works again? Because <laughs> we're physical beings and that matters. 
And I also think the thing you're saying, Ben, of what's underneath it is important to consider. I don't know if you've heard about this idea that anger is a secondary emotion, that it's really just explosion of fear, pain, injustice, um, shock, you know, whatever the thing is that they're really feeling, it's an, ex- an emotional explosion. So that's a good thing for you to think about yourself. What am I really feeling about this guy in traffic, about, you know, the person who dealt with me at the bank the way I do not like? Um, and good to think about with your kid. Draw out their heart like that verse in Proverbs. Sure. Um, have you, what are some things you do with your spouse to provide a united front? So I can specifically say for us, oftentimes we'll say, um, well, I'll talk to mom. You know, like that's a straight, straight answer. Well, we didn't work that out yet. We need to talk about it. We'll get back to you. And that's okay. You know, like, uh, or sometimes we'll just say, well, if that's what mom said, then that's what goes. You know, if mom already told you an answer, and we also will, there are consequences for asking dad after mom already told you an answer. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> that. The consequence, it depends with the kid, like we said. So, like, we, at young age, we did spank sometimes. Um, as foster parents, we're, we're literally not allowed to because um, it's against the law or at least against our, our Alameda County policy. Um, so we don't – but it turns out as kids get older, spanking is really not effective anyway. Um, and you, you have to be very careful about, about that um, because if you're doing it – if in any way anger is motivated spanking, it should not happen. Um, but it, for little kids, it can give them like a very quick, oh, that's not right. <laughs> okay, I don't want that. Um, but the older they get, the more they understand. And so, and the older they get, the more loss of privilege is a big thing. So uh, TV is a huge motivator for our family. Um, there are things that they really want to do. And if they don't get to do them, then then that's a very strong motivator. So for asking mom after dad said no, that's a pretty minor Infraction. So it's usually, so you know, logical consequences. It's like, usually at least. So usually it's just like a fairly short term, like, oh, now you have to do the dishes. Or like, a chore, yeah, or something. Or you lost dessert, something like that. Something small, so. Or we, with the older kids, freedom and responsibility, right? Like, you were asking to get else. pizza with your friends after school. Yeah, church. Um, but you can tell who's really the mastermind of our behavioral plan. <laughs> she has a real gift for it, so I'm, I'm fortunate there. But let's just close in prayer. And I would also encourage you, um, there are a lot of resources to help. If you find that anger is motivating your actions often, it's not that uncommon, but you probably need help. Um, or if you find that you're parenting um, out of just accidental parenting, which means like 
you're doing things just to get through the moment. Um, that happens to every parent, but if it's happening a lot, then probably something needs to change. Um, and please ask for help because there are lots of people at the church and other places that would love to, to try to provide resources or help through that. So, all right. Dear Lord, we uh, thank you for the great responsibility that you've given to us to help raise our children. I thank you that we have a church to come alongside us and that each one of the people in this room has promised to help us raise our children. And what a joy and what a help that is. I thank you for the way that the church has invested in our children and that we can invest in one another's children. And I pray that as our children grow, that they would follow you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.